0: Episode 245, Bonus Edition, Interview with Spencer Cotter. I'm Brian Carpenter, host of Fresh Air at Five, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com.
1: educators. Is your passion tank running on empty? Look no further. Gretchen of Always a Lesson has a double dose of just what you need. Come fill yourself up with an empowering educators podcast to start your day feeling empowered.
0: Welcome to the Always the Lesson Summer Interview Series. I've asked some very special guests to bring their wisdom to you all throughout May, June, July, and August. Connecting you with other elite educators is one of my favorite parts of this job as a teacher leader and podcaster. The insight that you are going to gain from these conversations is going to prepare you to hit the ground running during the back-to-school season But more importantly, it is going to reignite your passion and your potential as an educator. Are you ready to level up what you bring to the table and how you serve those you lead? Then buckle up and let's go. All right, y'all, I'm excited about this guest because she has a unique approach to how she mentors and guides teachers. It came out of her own painful story of burnout in the classroom and lack of balance and just all the things that add stress and push us away and make us want to run to all other professions. And instead of doing that, she was real honest with herself about what she needed, and she went out and got it. And then she did kind of what I did and made sure she... Turned that around and gave back to everyone else when she was capable of doing so and, and gave everything she was wanting and needing then to the people that need it now. Uh, so I resonate so much with what she's been through and what she's doing. So this is just a special one for me that I can't wait for you to listen to. But I want to tell you a little bit more about Spencer. She's a full-time instructional coach at a K-5 elementary school, and she's a teacher wellness mentor which is what makes her super unique. And I'll tell you more about that in a minute. But she taught second grade, fifth grade and sixth grade before jumping into coaching. And being a teacher has really taught her about what she wanted in life and about the role that burnout plays in her own health and wellness. So her goal is to make sure teachers feel seen as a human first, and that they can create a space in a community where they receive empathy and empowerment and personal development tools, which, as you know, that just doesn't exist. Um, And I know she plays a major role in people transforming, transforming themselves from the inside out. She has this unique way of helping teachers become better by not working on the technical strategies. She knows that we are programmed to believe students first, and she believes students have to come First, but she also believes that the educators have a seat there as well, and there it's not something we talk about or encourage. So she created a teacher wellness mentorship program, and it's founded in one of the greatest pieces of value she can bring to the educator uh, audience, and she Knows that life is meant to be lived and not merely survived. Um, So she's created the Create, Flow, Evolve method. It's this roadmap for teachers to find a new sense of self and clarity and purpose so they can live life on their own terms and expectations. It's 12 weeks of mentorship. It's prioritizing themselves and self-care and self-awareness. Uh, taking action on goals inside and outside of work Um, you'll start to feel better live more intentionally and just gain a new perspective on your life as a teacher so that is why I chose her if you're not already like oh my gosh this is amazing then you got to tune in and hear her unique story well hey Spencer thanks so much for being a guest here on the empowering educators podcast
1: yeah, thank you for having me. I'm super, super excited. Yeah, you have got some
0: amazing work that you're doing. I wanted really badly to get you on to help other teachers join the fight that you uh, fight for each and every day to just bring balance and happiness and joy and boundaries and all the things. And I know we're going to get to that. But when I have been watching your stories, I'm like, okay, she is a force to be reckoned with and I need to get her on here. So her story uh, and your mission can really help tons of people. So I'm so glad you were willing to do this.
1: Thank you. No, thank you for having me. This is my first podcast as you know. <laughs> so, <laughs> this is a special day for me. <laughs>
0: well, why don't you explain how we know each other? I kind of alluded to me stalking you a bit <laughs> when I fell in love with your mission, but share how I how that all came
1: to be. Yeah, so I think I don't know did I follow you first? You followed me first? I don't I don't remember who, but I think you reached out to me in the DMs and mm-hmm. we just kind of started chatting a little bit and built our relationship and um yeah just i guess stalk each other right
0: (laughs) (laughs) the reason i think it's important for you to share that is i want to encourage everyone listening to not be afraid to dm somebody instagram happened Mm -hmm. to be the platform that i found you on and I know it was probably weird, like, who is this person? Why is she really invested to what I'm doing? Uh, why does she keep commenting? You know, but I really felt connected to what you were doing. And I have learned that if I really want to have an impact, then I have to be willing to align myself with other people having an impact and partner together and i know my audience uh especially during COVID, is going through really tough times especially in the classroom or those leading others in the classroom and what you're doing i think really lends itself the strategies i know that you're talking about are really essential to to helping many people right now. And I don't want anyone to be afraid of, oh, I don't know them. They don't know me yeah. or this is going to be awkward. I think educators are giving people and to have someone reach out in the DMs and say like, hey, I love what you're doing. How can we do this together? Or how can we partner together? Or can you just answer this question for me? I don't think anyone is going to be like, ooh, that's weird. You know, it's like, oh great. Someone that no. I can talk to, connect with, and help.
1: Oh my gosh! Yeah, I'm so happy that you're bringing that to light for your followers because I just I don't think people realize everything's energy and if you put yourself out there, I mean, no matter what the outcome is, no matter what the response is, whether they ignore you or respond to you or whatever, like the fact that you put that energy out there is always going to come back tenfold. So everything's connection as well, and I mean, I think there's so much negativity around social media right now or ever (laughs) that it's like this bad thing and it, it, but really like there's so much power and positivity in it. I have met so many incredible empowering people that I have learned from that have expanded me just from reaching out or just from, you know, following and following back. I mean, it's, it's just such an incredible world when you use it in that way. And I think like, like connection is everything. I think if you want to connect with more people, more like-minded people, more people who can inspire you, who can empower you, like you kind of have to put yourself out there first and, and find that tribe. Yeah,
0: you bring up a good point. Make social media work for you. Mm -hmm. Do you want to grow your craft? Do you want to be inspired? Well, who are you following? Like if you're just going to follow people who are negative Nancys or who are bashing other people or whatever, that's what you're going to continue to fill yourself with and surround yourself with. But if you make a choice, I am here to learn. I'm here to grow. Therefore, I'm only following these accounts. I'm only watching these certain things. I'm only going to be communicating with these people although that sounds like super strict, that's how you use this platform to do what it is you want it to do rather than letting it rule your life and bring you down.
1: Oh my gosh, absolutely. It's energy input output. The energy you take in and absorb is the energy that's going to be filled up inside of you. And then in return, it's going to be the energy that you exude to the world. So yeah, yeah, I think it's important to be super conscious about what you're exposing yourself to and who you're exposing yourself to and the more positive, empowering people you expose yourself to and connect with, I mean, you're going to crowd out all the negative, Mm -hmm. right? Like you're going to fill yourself up so much just like so much more to your benefit, I guess.
0: Yeah. And I like you use that word conscious. I think that's exactly, that sums it up really well. Well, let's read, let's reverse. Let's go back to where you started. What, what were mm-hmm. you teaching? Um, why did you fall in love with education? Tell me more about the beginning of your journey.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I kind of have like the basic childhood story of like, I played school every day. <laughs> um, Like, I had this, like, crazy fun setup in the basement. I would come home and, like, mimic my teachers, like, down to the jewelry they would wear. And I just loved it. And then, um, you know, high school, that passion kind of, like, went away. And college, I tried out a couple different things. And then I was like, you know, I'm going to go back to education. Um, Fast forward, I graduated from Western Michigan and went to Arizona. Got my first job there. And... While I was in college, I actually so Western offered the I think it was called like the Urban Program or something, and it was your opportunity. You you had to apply for it and all this, but um, if you wanted to work at a Title One school, and Mm -hmm. I had no idea, I had no idea what that meant. Yeah, me either. Yeah, and then I learned like you know it's you know more of an at risk population. You're going to experience you know different cultures and probably more, you know, this, and I just felt so called. I felt so pulled in that mm-hmm. direction. And so that's where I did my, uh, uh, not mentorship, but student teaching loved it. And yeah, I mean, I thought I was going to be a teacher forever. Mm-hmm. I did really, really well as a student teacher with these really challenging kids, like hard stuff. And I did a great job and I was like, wow, like I am so meant for this mm-hmm. and <laughs> felt like, you know, just like really, really um, like proud of myself. And so then I went off to Arizona teaching at the school I was teaching was also a very, very, very at risk population. Um, and it was, um, it was a great first year. And like I said, I think at after those two years, I thought like, this is what I'm meant to do. Where so do you
0: think it started shifting at, immediately after you started?
1: Mm, no, so a year one was Um, for me, I can't speak for the rest of the school around me, but for me, it was, it was a great year. I loved those. They were fifth graders. We had such a good time. Um, I actually looped up with them to sixth grade and then, um, my third year I wanted to try a new grade level and I went down to second, you know, I felt like, okay, I feel like I have this down, this fifth, sixth grade age, you know, I want to try something new and, um, went down to second in that year that year is when it shifted. Mm. I, that year I was totally burnt out already as a third-year teacher, and I was just very unhappy to go to work. I was winging it every day, um, Googling what else can I do with a teaching degree during my prep time. and mm. Yeah, so year three was when the shift began for sure. And
0: do you think it would have been different had you stayed in fifth? What do you think was the catalyst?
1: I honestly just think it's how my, my path was supposed to like go. Um, I think the catalyst was I did the the textbook, burnt myself out as a newbie teacher, you know, first year teacher. Um, I was doing the whole 15 hour day. Like I was, I had no, like I was 24, 25 living in Scottsdale, like had no one to worry about, but myself Mm -hmm. and like, would go out and have fun on the weekend. But then during the week, it was like, I want to be the best. I want to do all the things. And I just did. And, um, I just think I did what, what every veteran teacher will tell you not to do your first year. (laughs) So I think I definitely played a role in my burnout. I mean, I, you know, obviously the outside factors of teaching don't help either, but I did a lot of that on my, myself. Um, You know, but it all turned out how it was supposed to turn out.
0: What happened after second grade?
1: I got myself a mentor that year because I was, I mean, professionally, I was just, it was this, right? Like, I was like, I'm good at this. Like, so I should stay kind of thing.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, I wasn't struggling in the classroom. I wasn't struggling instructionally. I was helping other teachers. I was leading other teachers, but I was not happy. And so I was like being torn. Like, what do I do? Like, do I stay or do I like? find something else and I was also experiencing like some personal issues with the relationship I was in so like mm-hmm. you know that totally impinges on yeah. everything else in your life especially at that age um so I got myself a mentor and I worked with her that entire year on like the relationship stuff but then also my work stuff and it's just funny how things work out. Right. So I had in my head that I really wanted to eventually be an instructional coach because my first year as a teacher, we had a coach Her name was Melody, loved what she did. I just like stalked Melody. I was mm-hmm. like, I want to do what you do. Mm-hmm. I had never heard of a coach before. We didn't have them like, you know, before I, I I never experienced them before then. So, and then in my second and third year, I like tried to just like shadow our coaches, basically, I would get there really early and like talk to them. And I just had really good relationships with them or whatever. But anyway, um, later that year, um, a job at that school, which by the way, I loved the school I was at, loved my boss, loved, it was, I just loved the place I was at, but, um, a coaching, two coaching positions opened up and long story short, you know, I went for it and, and I got it and I've been coaching ever since. So I just think year three was super early in my career, but year three was like, even though I truly believe that that I caused a lot of that burnout myself Mm -hmm. from my work ethic and from my habits, um, it was kind of meant to happen. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think it fuels what you
0: do now and not mm -hmm. only are you able to see it fast in other people, some of those bad habits, but you're developing structures and processes to prevent them from happening or to deal with them as they happen. I know you're kind of big on like the roadmap and this is what you can do and um, truly trying to help. So I do appreciate, you know, that part of your story because I think it's making you a stronger teacher leader having been there. Right. So what do you yeah. think, what do you think was the best lesson you learned either as a teacher or in this leadership role that has really kind of allowed you to become the best educator possible?
1: There's so, there's so many, you know, I mean, at that third year is a burnt out teacher. The lessons I was learning was just like how to cure burnout and like when there's a will, there's a way, like, if you don't want to live this way, you don't have to, like, that's oh. what my mentor and I were working on. And, call it luck or fate the fact that a coaching role opened and I got it in that burnout year. I mean, that was like my out, that was like my whatever, but there were a lot of lessons that year just about like you can kind of create your own reality. And but as far as like where I'm at now, so I think one of the best lessons I've learned as a coach just and I'm just going to reference this this instead of my teaching career because I've been doing this longer. Um <laughs> I mean, I always joke about this lesson, right? This is the first lesson I learned as a coach. What's happening in your classroom is not happening in other classrooms. When I stepped out of the classroom and became a coach and I got to go into other classrooms, I'm like, dang, I wish I would have done that. Or I'm like, dang, right. how do you still have a job? <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? But I, you learn so much by going into other, by just seeing other people. And yes. I, I wish more teachers had the opportunity to do that. I wish more had the opportunity to open their doors and also leave their classrooms to go and see others. Cause that's where I've done so much of my instructional learning was from, is from teachers. Um, I'm all about though, like the personal development lessons, right? So my biggest lesson for me at this point is the lesson on imposter syndrome, and how it totally can rule your life. And I feel like teacher, and this is something I help, my mentor teachers through, because we experience it in the classroom, especially, I guess not even just new teachers, because I've talked to some veteran teachers where they're very intimidated by certain new strategies, new tools, new technology, whatever. But for me, as a third year teacher stepping into a coaching role, I had the who am I to do this plaguing me every day. Cause we had some veteran teachers at that school. I mean, I remember one of our eighth grade teachers, she was teaching for over 20 years and I had to go in there and do what, (laughs) you know? So that just, I did a lot of work through that. I still had my mentor. I mean, like I said, I had already started with one before I even became a coach. So she was helping me through that, um, and learning how to overcome those fears. I think that's like my most priceless lesson because it's serving me in every area of my life currently too.
0: Yeah. I agree with that. I taught second, third and fifth and fifth was not, not for me. (laughs) They had (laughs) a lot of adolescence happening and I was like, Mm -hmm. okay, great. Like classroom management was my jam, but I just felt like I was maxed out. They were uh, really unruly and I knew that going into it and my principal handpicked me to, to help get that grade level Mm -hmm. Not fixed. That's a horrible word. But really get structures in place to make those students successful and help that team of teachers get up and rolling. And so when I did, I'm like, can I go can I go to a different grade now? And she's like, no, you got to stay there the whole year. So I asked to go to second because I'm like, I don't want testing. I don't want the stress of anything. I want it to be an easy year. This year rocked my world. And it was then that I, too, was like, it's time for something different. And mm-hmm. I actually wasn't ready to make the jump like you were. I said, why don't I try a different environment? So I went to transfer to a different school and taught third grade where I spent most of my career teaching third. And I was like, OK, this is great. I got a little bit different of experience, different population because I, too, was in Title I, which was emotionally draining. And then I realized, OK, like. It it might have been the kids. It might have been the grade level. But it mostly was me being ready to help in a different way. And I agree with what you said. Getting out and seeing other teachers, I wish I had done that. We had learning walks, not as a, as an official thing. It happened like once or twice where you could go watch your colleagues teach. And I wish there was more of that. But when I became a coach and I was seeing tons of classrooms, tons of teachers, I was like, this is how someone gets better, like being able to just watch teaching in action and then having a coach who's like, okay, let's translate that to what you're doing. It was transformational. And I really wish Mm -hmm. I had the benefit of doing that. And so in the work I'm doing, I'm making sure that I find all of me out there, like any of the people that could truly benefit from it. And I go all in. And so I love to hear that you were ready and you took the bull by the horns and said, I'm ready to do this now. And I'm ready to have a bigger impact. And, you know, getting into classrooms and trying to calibrate the excellence that's happening. So it it truly is the student doesn't have a better experience or a worse experience, depending on what the teacher's doing, but that we try and make sure great things are happening everywhere. And, you know, try and find the teachers that aren't willing to get better and maybe prod them elsewhere. And the ones that really want to get better, we give them you know, all the help that we can get. So your story just truly resonates with my own journey. And I feel like after seeing lots of teachers, I could say there are some characteristics that make teachers great. And I know you have seen lots of teachers in action too. So what Mm -hmm. would those characteristics be that you say, okay, that's a great educator right there? Hey, y'all, popping in here real quick to remind you, if you are loving the podcast, Hop on over to iTunes to leave a star rating and type in a few words for the review. This helps other educators find the show so they too can be empowered. Lots of love and thanks. Now back to the show.
1: Yeah, so you know, I think an outsider would think this is an easy question to answer. But I think when you're in it, like there's so many things and then there's like, then there's not, right? So for me, just I, I truly believe that education and teaching especially is such an art and a science. Like, it's both. And, like, obviously, right, like, the ability to decipher, like, high, what, are, what are my high mileage moves that are going to actually make a big impact on these kids? You know, but then also a strong sense of self, right? A strong sense of confidence and leadership skills. And I think the leadership part is something that we forget when we're teachers that we still need to be. You know, no matter what your role is in education, if you're a teacher, principal, superintendent, a parapro, speech path, whatever, you're not only an educator, you're also a leader. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So the way you conduct yourself, the way you prioritize yourself, the way you take care of yourself, the way you speak to others, the way you connect others, the way you treat others, it's always being modeled for a group of people. And I think that we forget that. I think that we forget that in education, no matter where we are, we are all a model for someone else because we're all in charge of somebody else. And, you know, just to add to that, I also say this. So not only is it an art and a science and that we have to have a strong sense of being to do this job, but in my experience, some of the greatest educators that I know have that it factor, right? Like the thing you just can't teach. It's their (laughs) personality. It's their perspective on life. You know, their belief systems. You know, I know teachers who do not believe that all students can learn. So how, like, how can you be a great educator if you don't carry that belief with you? Right. You know, there's just things you're going to limit yourself if you don't have the belief that all students can learn or if you don't have the belief that you're in charge of, of your own life. You're just too limited. So yeah, just the things that you can't teach, I think in my experience are like if I had to sit and talk about the greatest educators that I knew, they just have that, they have that piece that Mm -hmm. they they built themselves. You can't learn it in school.
0: That if factor. And it's it's different. If you put all great educators together, it's not like it's a model, like one, they're all the same. They're all different and whatever that unique thing is makes them great and that's encouraging because it means that you can be different to be successful but it's discouraging and like what you said you can't teach it so I think some folks might listen to me like dang like I I wanted to take a course or I wanted to have a coach and I wanted to become (laughs) you know better like just tell give me the checklist and sometimes Mm -hmm. it's just not a checklist item
1: Oh, absolutely. And like it, I love that you said it's both, right? Like it's so encouraging because there's not one it factor. Mm-hmm. Like everyone has their own. I really think the work to be done is on yourself to become to, right? Like to have that it factor, it's just having that strong open-minded perspective, and I think that we need that so much in this role. Just because it's so it's so hard. And I think we limit ourselves a lot. So when we have the belief system that all students can learn, I can do anything. I don't know what I'm doing, but I'll figure it out. Like when you have all of those going for you, like you're just a force. And, you know, those are the people that I in my experience, I'm like, dang, like, I want to learn from you. (laughs) You're doing great things.
0: I agree with that. I wanted to ask you to speak to a specific group that's listening and give some additional advice. We have some mm-hmm. that are new teachers. We've got some transitioning to different grade levels or maybe a different position or in a situation of distress, especially during COVID. But then we've got teacher leaders like yourself and I. So if you had to pick one uh, category of teacher to speak to, who would you pick and what would you tell them?
1: Ha. Uh kind of between new teachers and teachers in distress. I work with teachers in transition and distress, but I mm-hmm. think new teachers need to hear these things too. But, okay. and I, I, I just came on Instagram this morning and talked about this. I'll have but to go watch. When you, when you hear students first, right. Cause I feel like, especially this year, it makes us cringe like students first. That must mean me, me last mm-hmm. or me. No, never. Like, I don't matter. Like, what do you mean? Like, I, right. Like I just, I've seen a lot of teachers this year, especially on social media, like finding that term to be very off-putting, but it doesn't have to be right. Because part of our job is to, we need to prioritize them, right? We are in charge of their well-being, their safety, their, their academics. But when you hear that, when you hear students first, think me first too, because it doesn't have to be one or the other. So when you hear students first think me first too, and that just means like we need to really be prioritizing ourselves. And I this is just this is what I stand for, right? So this might sound repetitive, but like our self care, our personal development that needs to come first, especially in education. And I don't mean manicures every week or five minutes of quiet time a day. You know, while that's amazing and it helps boost energy and mood, there's deeper work to be done in order to avoid burnout and in order to recover from burnout, right? So things like Learning more about your mindset, acquiring stress relieving tools, practicing self-talk, confidence building, setting boundaries, you know, letting go of control and the need to be perfect, right, and the need to do it all and do it all yourself, right, Mm -hmm. right, like this job is so hard without those kind of tools, And there's so much on the outside. We kind of talked about energy earlier. There's so much on the outside that can slither into our minds and slither into our energy levels if we don't have certain abilities to protect our time and protect our energy and persevere through the challenges. So I thought about this this morning, right? Students first, me first too. Because in order to give them my all, I have to be my all. You know, and I, I know it's all over the place, especially, you know, this past year with COVID, right? Everyone's preaching to teachers, take care of yourself. You know, I think there's almost like an overkill right now. And I try so hard, like not to use my platform to like tell them to take care of themselves. Cause I think we're like, okay, like, thanks. Like I know how to take care of myself top tell me what to do. But I just think it's so damn true. Like when you're running on fumes, you can't serve anyone else. And a lot of teachers I know right now are running on fumes.
0: Yeah. And I think if we tell them what's coming, if they continue, that's when it hits. Because if we're just preaching, you know, oh, I had some yoga or I journaled this morning or I walked my dog. They're like, great, good for you. And you're like, and you should, too. And they're like, okay, thanks. But if you tell them, hey, if you keep waking up early and going to bed late and you're um, revising every lesson plan to make sure it's thorough and efficient and you're just going to end up hating your job, the kids, the curriculum, your colleagues, uh, the hustle and bustle. And that actually takes away from you being effective. And it takes away your it factor. And you're never going to be good at your job if you overdo it. And I think if we tell them, this is what is on this road, if you continue, then they start paying attention. And then you give them the tools, here's what you should try instead, you know,
1: my gosh. I love that. Yeah. So yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So we talked about mentorship. You've
0: talked about it quite a bit and I know it's a pivotal thing for you and your personal growth, but also Mm -hmm. translate to professional growth. Is there a specific someone you consider your mentor or do you look to a lot of different educators to help you, you know, push your craft?
1: So as far as like instruction goes and instructional coaching, I don't really have mentors for that. Um, my mentors right now are more like so my one mentor her names Kat Golden, she is a nurse mentor, and I saw mm-hmm. what she was doing with nurses, and that's where my inspiration, you know, was born. And you know, I also see a therapist a couple times a month, and I consider her a mentor as well, just in a different capacity. Mm-hmm. So those are like what my mentors, like where I put my investment right now.
0: So it's almost like you decided the area I need to grow or protect is X. Therefore I'm going to find person Y. So you were all, you were very strategic and in, in who you picked and and why you needed them in your life. Right.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I, so I, I mean for me and I, for as long as I'm, you know, here on this earth, the investment I put in myself is going to be into my personal development. Right. Like, I can't see myself ever hiring someone to help me with things like instructional coaching. You know, on the job, you get your professional learning. But I will say, and I'll just be very honest about this, instructional coaching is not my passion. Like, I I created mentorship so I can feed my passion, which is really helping teachers. I mean, the things I do with teachers, I can do with anyone, right? I had a non-teacher the last round of mentorship. And she thrived. But I pick this demographic of people because I'm so passionate about them because I am one of – I am a teacher, right? Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I – this is what lights me up. I mean talking about instruction when I'm at work, the part that I love is when I actually see them have some sort of breakthrough, when I see the confidence, when I see the, okay, I made a mistake but I'm good – When I see the, you know what, you're right, I can do this. When I see the, you know what, Spencer, I'm really scared to try this, but I'm going to try it. Will you help me? Will you give me feedback? I don't love talking about literacy. I don't love talking about math. I just don't love instruction anymore like I used to. Mm -hmm. My passion has evolved. I'm still able to to do both at work, but that's really why I start mentorship so that I can really, really hone in on, on what I really think I'm meant to be doing now.
0: And I think what I like about the way you approach your journey is you're just really honest with yourself. Like, I'm not liking liking this, even though I'm great at it. It's, It's kind of similar to where you were in the classroom. Like, I'm great at this. I don't love it the way I used to. I'm ready to have a different sort of impact. And then you got your coaching role and it's like, I'm great at this and I have an impact, but I want to have an impact on a more personal level and your, your mentorship focus has been amazing to know that you yourself have been mentored and now you're giving back. Um, I think the best leaders in education are ones that allow themselves to be led. And I think you're very in touch with what you need and what you want and you're not afraid to go after it.
1: Yeah, you're always a student, right? Yeah. I mean, speaking <laughs> of I that, feel.
0: like how do you stay – up-to-date and current on, on what's happening in education so you can properly mentor teachers?
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, lots of just organic ways, honestly. I think being an instructional coach, um, you know, that's part of my role. I have to kind of stay on top of the latest and greatest in education. And, you know, my district's really helpful with that. We, we're part of a lot of leadership, team meetings, district meetings. So we're getting the latest, the greatest. We know what's coming. We're getting training so that we can go and train teachers so Mm -hmm. whether that's new traditions coming or new transitions coming down the line whether that's new curriculum techniques tools whatever it might be you know the coaches are the first to kind of receive that so that we can give it to the teachers um so that's kind of an organic way that I stay on top of the instruction part as far as what teachers this is where my mindset is most of the day is where are they at emotionally where Mm -hmm. are they at mentally where are they at as far as their energy goes as far as what 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 are are they hating right now what are they loving right now so it's interesting you know this past year ever since I created mentorship I take a different ear at work so I'm listening for different things now you know as a coach Mm -hmm. you're trained to you're trained to listen for underlying beliefs you're trained to listen for the root cause right and so that's what I'm doing but instead of an instructional level I'm doing it now on like a where's this human at Um, and that helps me in my mentorship because I get a lot of this information at work on the job as an instructional coach, and then I can bring it back and really be able to relate to the teachers on that level on my Instagram or when I'm mentoring.
0: Do you use social media at all
1: to, to learn and grow, or are you mostly on there to help others? No. Oh my gosh. Social media was, was what started all this for me, honestly. Um, like we kind of talked about earlier being strategic about who you're exposing yourself to on social media. Mm -hmm. So I have a lot of people that I consider mentors from afar, like people I don't even know, but I watch their stories every day. I I, I download their free resources. I'm constantly learning from people on there. I think that's where, that's where this all started, right? Like this actually started farther back than when I found my mentor cat. So last year during COVID, I took a interest in health coaching. Oh, and um, yeah. So my one of my best friends is a health coach. I've always been kind of intrigued by it. I practice health, good health, well being, wellness in my own life. And so during COVID, yeah, all this time, right? Like, what do I want to do? What do I want to try? So I enroll. Um, I found this influencer on Instagram she's like hey I'm doing you know this training on how to use how to use Instagram to influence I was like oh like I'm just gonna do that and maybe I can start talking about health on here so I took her course one thing led to the next next thing I know I'm enrolling in integrative um, institute for integrated nutrition to be a health coach that's and so cool. while I was in IIN that's when I kind of reached out to Kat And I was like, what I want to do with this health coaching is I want to health coach teachers like I want to coach teachers. And then just one thing led to the next. But anyway, my point is it all started with people I was finding on Instagram, really. Yeah.
0: And thinking of how can I take a piece of that that I like, but translate it into Uh my own situation. And you still have that heart for teachers, but it's really their personal development that you're so passionate about. And health is the way that is the avenue you do it. Mm -hmm. Yep. So speaking of mentorship, tell us about, you know, your program and and what you do for teachers outside of the school building.
1: Yeah, so I mean, like we know, teaching consumes us, right? Like the burnout rate right now is crazy. And I don't think it's just because of COVID. I think COVID just brought it all to the table, brought it more to light and people actually started paying attention and people started talking. So what mentorship really does is it what we essentially do in 12 weeks is I just help them learn to prioritize themselves, right? Create more time in their schedule for things that they actually love and want to be doing. I mean, how many times do we hear from teachers like there's never enough time? I, oh, I would love to do that, but I can't, you know? Um, so we work on time and taking control of your schedule. We go deep into some mindset work and, you know, not only so they can navigate challenges, but, to let go of things like control and perfectionism. Like those I think are so overlooked, the need to control and the need to do it all. I mean, I heard a teacher the other day, she was at her breaking point, exhausted. And she's like, I'm like, well, you know, let me know next time. Like I can take something off your plate. She's like, I I just have to do it all myself. Like, that's just how Mm, I tick. mm -hmm. And in that moment, like you can't I would. I, I can't mentor her in that moment. I'm at work. It's a different kind of boundary. But like, you don't have to do it all. Like that. That isn't really how a human ticks. You know, um, that's you. That's us holding ourselves back and staying stuck. So, in mentorship, like we really go. We go deep into those two things. Um, you know, we also work on setting boundaries, creating powerful daily routines, habits, taking action on things they maybe have never. Done before, um, while also working on their individual goals as well. So, is
0: it mainly one-on-one, or do they get a small group and meet other teachers virtually?
1: So, last round was one-on-one. This next round, I am thinking about doing a group. I just think that would be super, super supportive. And my goal here is to really create a community and connect more teachers to teachers. Yeah. So, this next round, it might. I might still keep it one-on-one and then move into group or I might pull the, rip the bandaid off and go into group. So we'll see.
0: That's so cool. Where can they, if someone's interested in working with you and kind of gaining these new habits, I know it's an ongoing process. It's not like a course that you're just one and done, but where can they find out more information? Are are you opening the doors at a certain time?
1: So right now I'm opening the doors on April 25th. Mm -hmm. Um, and then next round will be opening in August. And I'll always have, as of right now, because as of today, I don't have a website ready that is to come. But as of right now, I do everything for my Instagram. So the link in my bio will have everything. Okay, if, perfect. There's a, yeah, if there's a wait list open, it'll be there. If enrollment's open, it'll be there. Um, and then I have a lot of teachers who just re- reach out in my direct messages as well. So that's mainly where I'm at and where all of the information will be housed. Perfect.
0: I did want to give you an opportunity to just share an amazing moment, whether it was a teaching moment or a leadership moment. I call them, you know, your all star moment, because (laughs) I think it's a way for other people to get inspired and say, I want to try that or or pick out something from your story that they resonate with and say, "Okay, I can do that. So this is just I know it's silly to brag on yourself, but I think it could really be inspiring to other people. So what would you say is that moment for you?
1: So as a teacher, like in the classroom, like an all-star moment or. You could
0: pick that or a leadership one, whichever you feel is like the best moment that when you look back on your career, like, yep, that's the one.
1: Yeah, um, I'll give, I guess, both. So the teacher one. So, I mean, the first thing that comes to mind just because, (laughs) I don't know, that question's actually kind of hard, but. Um, I mean, I, whenever someone's asked me, like, what's your, what are you most proud of? I always talk about my first year teaching. I mean, you know, you don't hear that often. You hear most first True. year teachers, like, you know, drown. Mm-hmm. The opposite happened for me in a school that was basically burning down around me. And that's why I felt like it was such a, such an amazing year for me. But I guess specifically, and this is going to sound really silly. Um, and, but, and I don't know if this is an all-star moment, but this is one of my favorite moments as a teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, I think it was either fifth or sixth grade. It was the same group of kids both years, so I can't decipher, but, um, we wrote a song, we wrote a math song to the tune of baby by Justin Bieber. (laughs) And like what made it fun for me and what made it so memorable is we would blast it on, we would blast the song like on, on high. And I was on my desk not that I probably should have been looking back, but I'm like young, fun, 25, you know, these kids think I'm so cool. I'm on my desk dancing, singing. And some of the kids, I don't think any of them were on their chairs. I wouldn't have allowed that, but they were up singing, dancing. And I mean, that's hard to get fifth or sixth graders to totally. do something like that. yeah. <laughs> and I just remember it was so loud and I had people, some people from like just around my classroom down the hall or whatever, come in they were like laughing and taking pictures and that was just such a, that's still such a bright spot when I think back to that.
0: And why do you think that was so effective? Like if someone were like, okay, I want to replicate it. Well, maybe you pick a different song, but what do you think made it uh, a home run for you and a home run for the kids?
1: Um, Just because, I mean, I think it was, it just spoke so much to the community that I had created mm-hmm. that I had fifth or sixth grade boys, fifth or sixth grade girls, like making fools of themselves in front of each other <laughs> I mean they didn't and this was you know a, a very very title one school I had kids who I, I mean still couldn't read in fifth or sixth grade you know yeah. and so I mean the confidence levels weren't the highest and um but the fact that like I just remember looking around thinking like this is so amazing um it is Just, I mean, if you can pull something like that off, no matter what grade, I mean, it just, it just adds so much more fun and love and light. And I just, I think we take ourselves way too seriously. Yeah. And I mean, no one could have said anything anyway, because the lyrics were all about, I think it was like geometry or fractions or something. And so, um, I just think there's always a way to do something differently and, Mm um, I was not good at teaching fifth and sixth grade math. I had to study my butt off in order to teach a lesson. Mm -hmm. And so I just remember trying to think of ways to just make it fun, not just for them, but for me too, because like students first, but me first as well. Like if I'm not having fun here, they're not going to have fun. You know, if I'm not feeling lit up and energized, why should I expect them? Like they're feeding off my energy. Totally. Yes.
0: And we were talking before about connection and, you know, reaching out to people and, and, you know, what you attract and all of that comes back to your story here. Like you were willing to show up every day, giving it your best. You were able to connect with them to know what they would even find interesting or fun. And then because you're such a great educator, you took the content, but you allowed them to learn it, not out of a textbook and not the way a normal lesson would go. You thought, creatively and so I think there's a lot of takeaways someone listening could use from that
1: yeah it was just it's still to this day so much fun those kids now they're like I think seniors in high school which is so crazy to think about (laughs) so it just time time flies but yeah email was a while ago I I still remember it pretty clearly so I'm sure they do too
0: All right, y'all, that is an empowering educator right there. She is going to connect you to your next level of greatness. I will put all the different ways to find her and all the things we talked about in the show notes. Just go to alwaysalesson.com, click on podcast, find this episode, and you can connect with her. And she's super easy to talk to hundred uh, percent willing to help you. So don't be shy and don't feel weird. It's it's totally fine to to chat through DMs with a stranger. I, I promise you will gain nothing but great things from a conversation with Spencer. All right, elite educators, that is a wrap for this week's special edition interview podcast with Spencer Cotter. Thanks, Spencer, for coming on the show and giving us all you got. Now go in and be great because you've just been empowered.